All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to a Wednesday episode of Dropping the Gloves with me, your host, John Scott, and my sidekick, Tim Wurzberger. Tim, how are you, my friend? I am doing good, John. How's your day going? Not bad. Back's a little sore. Could be, could be better, but it is what it is. You know, you got to move on. But I'm good. Other Hockey? Than that, good. Huh? From, from skating last week? We took the kids skating a couple days ago. And I raced my oldest daughter, and I tweaked my back a little bit. So, you know, not feeling too hot. Feeling a little old. <laughs> Showing my age a little bit. I said, you know what? You go around the rink once. I'll go around twice. We'll see who wins. And I, I thought she was going to beat me, so I had to put the jets on. The guy got a little hurt. My back didn't like, the, didn't like me turning it on a little bit. This reminds me of last year when you were training for the half Ironman by like riding around the cul-de-sac on your bike with your daughters. And that's how you prepare, prepared for the race. That was my first workout. And yes, this skate was my first workout in preparation. I don't think I'm going to be able to do the Ironman. It's just uh, reality is hitting me in the face pretty hard. And I am just not, I, I don't know if I can do it. It's been two days. <laughs> I know. It's a, life comes at you fast, man. Really does. But anyways, Moving on. It, it's, I feel, feel good. It's sunny out today. It's beautiful. Wonderful. Absolutely gorgeous on a Tuesday here. So we're, we're locking out in this February weather. My twins, they turn five in a couple days, so everybody's gearing up for that. Yeah. Life is good. Life is good. What were you, so what, where did you have to go yesterday, Tim, when we had to leave so abruptly? Uh, we oh. didn't. We had like a 45-minute episode yesterday. You're lying to me and you're lying to the, to the listeners. It was 30 minutes that's not including all the advertisements and the intro and the outro. It was a 20-minute episode, maybe 25. <laughs> yeah, I had a, uh, an appointment with a trainer. So what, uh, tell me about this trainer. What, what, what are we doing <laughs> in this workout? You've been I, salivating over this since yesterday, huh? I, I've been thinking a lot about this trainer. So just tell us, tell us about this trainer. Is, is it in a conventional gym? Is it, is it at like YMCA gym or where, where is this gym? So I, I found him when I moved out to Traverse City two and a half years ago, um, just because like I've worked with trainers in the past and it's like, it's obviously a lot more expensive, but just, I just see my best results when I have a trainer and I don't have like the discipline to like, if I have an appointment with someone there 
like I'm not going to miss it. And it's a little and I'll, accountability. Yeah. And I, and I get more out of the session. So uh, his name is Alex. He's my aide. So we get along really well. Um, he's a, he's a big uh, strongman competitor. So he's, he's doing the super heavy stuff and he works out with some super heavy guys. Um, and it was a little gym downtown, which was great. Cause I could walk to work. I could walk to the gym. Like everything was walking. Uh, and when I reached back out to him a few days ago, a few weeks ago, he, he's also operating out of a little gym he's got in his yard and he's got like a big barn out back that he does woodworking out of. He also has like just this great, it's like old fashioned stuff. It's like stuff that he's just pulled together from Craigslist and whatever, but it's all there and uh, it's great. And we just hang out and lift and got like a wood fired stove there that just keeps everything warm. And it's, it's a blast. So were you doing Olympic like strongman lifts like deadlifts and cleans and pulls and all that fun stuff? Uh, we haven't done cleans, but yeah, like deadlifts. Like that's one of the reasons too that I wanted to go with him because like, I, you know, you want a spot or you want someone who knows what they're doing for like the super heavy stuff, especially stuff oh, over there. You're throwing up some big weight. Like when you, you need a spotter, Tim, especially. You for do, that. yeah. Like squats and, and all that stuff. So yeah, it's fun. We, we do the- we'll do the heavy stuff and then we'll do some like super circuits. What are you throwing up on a heavy squat? What's, what's, your, what's your good day? We're talking. We'll do six reps, three sets. What are, What are you What are you throwing up? Oh, I don't even have it. Uh, like two hundred, probably. Okay. Okay. Interesting. My my max for squat is I think two seventy five. Some that was a few years ago. That's not. That's a good number. It's it's a it's a that's a safe number. I like that. <laughs> yeah. No, good What's for yours? You. What's your max? Do you, do you know? Um, for squat, I've never maxed out for one rep, but when we were squatting, I would generally, gosh, I know in college I would do 225 40 times, and that was just like a test. Like you, you, would, do, you would put 225 on the bar, and you'd do it as many times as you can. That was one of our tests, and I, I, they maxed out at 40, so I used to do that 40, but I, I don't know. I think I could put up six, six 700 pounds. Uh, I'm sorry I asked. I've never really done a one. My my bench is drastically less. <laughs> my bench is probably 240, 250. Like, I, I have a terrible bench press. That's where you could just take me. I did 225. That, I couldn't do more than you. But. Oh, it's just horrendous. Anyways, good for you, Tim. It's fun. Good for you. You're improving. Is this a part of the new, year, the new Tim, the New Year's resolution? Uh, kind of, yeah. Yeah. It's oh, uh, gosh, I can't walk. Just yeah, it's good habits and healthy living, you know, and and, uh, and we have fun together. So you're just gonna be ripped in the summer. I can't wait. Strutting <laughs> around on the beach, showing off, showing all the <laughs> the birdies, the cock, cock, new cock in the hen house. What's going on? <laughs> Anyways, let's move on to hockey. We we got cut off last episode. I was just hitting my stride. There was so much to talk about. And you had to end the episode. I was just, we touched on Eric Carlson. We touched on defensemen. And I really wanted to dig into that because when I looked at the stats from the first, you know, arguably in a regular season, this will be a month and a half into the season. This is, this is a, a time to look, see where everyone's at. I was shocked to see the, the stats for the defensemen because the usual suspects are not there. And it got me thinking, it's like, has the D-men, have they transitioned? Or is the old guard finally gone? The Brent Burns, the John Carlsons, the Eric Carlsons, the, the Dowdy, the, the Victor Hedmans, are those guys gone? 
Have we seen it finally turn over to where you're getting the, the Hughes, the McCarr, the Klingbergs, the Gerards? Have these young guys taken over? Because if you look at the stats in the first few weeks of the season, they have. Hughes is leading the D-man in points with 11. McCarr is right behind him with 10. Klingberg's got eight points and only five games played. And then Gerard also with Colorado's got eight points. So I don't know. What do you think? Has the new regime of defensemen kind of supplanted the old guys? Or is it just, you know, it's the first couple of weeks. It's going to take some time for the old guys to get back into shape. And then they'll, they'll take over again like they have in the past five years. Uh, I think those guys are super exciting, and I think they will be the new guard. Um, I still think the best defensemen in the league are guys that maybe not the, as old as, as Bernsey and Carlson, but the, the Yossi, Car, uh, John Carlson, um, Hedman, maybe Petrangelo. I think those that's kind of the, still the cream of the crop as far as I'm concerned. McCarr is probably right up there. I don't think he was in the other guys are quite there yet. So we've mentioned Eric Carlson. Is he even considered a top-flight defenseman anymore? No, I don't think he's – no, not even close. Where would you rank him in all the defensemen in the whole league? Is he, is he, is he still like a number one D-man? No. No, really? You think he's, he's fallen that far from his days in Ottawa where he was the best defenseman in the world? You think he's just not even a number one guy? He's not a number one guy. No, he's not. Unbelievable. So we did a little digging – before the episode, because he signed a gigantic deal the year after he came to San Jose. He signed a nine-year, what was it? Or sorry, a s- eight-year, $92 million deal with the San Jose Sharks that pays him on average $11.5 million a year. And that goes until 2026-27. So the Sharks are on the hook for this guy for another six years. That's insane just to begin with. Like, imagine signing a deal for $92 million as a hockey player, and that's after you've already signed a deal with Ottawa for $45 million. So this guy, in a matter of six or 15 years, is going to make over $130 million. That's remarkable. Like, the, is it? can you wrap your head around that kind of money? It doesn't even make sense to me. All right, let's dig into his stats a little bit. So uh, we went back, we did a little digging, we got some – information on him so he had his first breakout season he started his rookie year was 0910 that was a big year for rookies that's the year um tyler myers won the calder if you don't if you don't recall so he came in it was a good class he wasn't the best defenseman coming into that year but where he really hit his stride was his third year he had a full season played he had 78 points that's insane for a third year defenseman on his entry-level contract after that that's when they re-upped him for the seven-year, $45 million contract. He was getting 6.5 a year. And to say that he outperformed this contract is an understatement. So when he was making 6.5 a year, it was roughly – he was around the 10th highest paid defenseman for those seven years. The following seven years, he was the leading scorer for all defensemen every year except for one when Bernsey topped him by, by one. He was the second, second highest scoring D-man. He had – 78 points that one year. He had an injury-shortened year the next year. He only had 14 points, so we're going to throw that one out. The next year, he had 74 points. He had 66 points. He had 82 points. He had 71 points. He had 62 points. Like, these are forward numbers for defensemen, and this is when I played against him. This is, this is the Eric Carlson that I know. This is the guy who was just as good as every forward on the ice and light years ahead of every defenseman on the ice. He, Bobby Orr changed the position for defensemen where before Bobby, no defenseman ever rushed a puck. 
a defenseman's job was to get the puck, get it out of the zone, get it on a forwards tape as quick as they can. And that was it. Then the D-man changed it up. They never rushed. They never went past the blue line. It was just a foreign concept to see defensemen rush the puck from coast to coast. Eric Carlson changed the game, I think, from where, you know, we had rushing defensemen. We had guys who would jump up into play. He changed how defensemen play the game as far as in the offensive zone. He wasn't tied to the blue line. He would be in front of the net. He would be behind the net. He would roam around the offensive zone so much to the point where if you're the winger covering him, you had to be on a man-to-man. You couldn't play his zone because he would never be in his spot for more than 10, 15 seconds. It, it, was, it was just no one had ever played the game like he played. And I think it caught people off guard. And you see defensemen now who play more like that. Duncan Keith took a page out of his book where – he swoops way down at the offensive zone so often to try to mirror that winger. If the other team gets the puck, he'll mirror that winger and try to cut him off right when he gets the puck in his offensive zone. So Eric Carlson was ahead of, the, ahead of his time. And I don't know if he picked this up when he was back in Sweden, but wherever he picked it up, it sure worked because he just was unstoppable for that seven-year stretch with Ottawa. Do you remember how good he was, Tim? Like how fun it was to watch him play? I do. I mean, as a Bruins fan, we watched him many times, you know, multiple times a season. And he was just like, you didn't have to worry about anyone else, really. And what it did is open up like their forwards, like their their forwards weren't superstars. Right. But they had those like, um, what's his name? McCulloch and uh, Kyle Terrace and some of those guys are just like were good players, but they could do all kinds of things out there because everyone was so focused on Carlson. Yeah, he, he made that team go. He, he was the heartbeat of that team. And mind you, they, they had some good runs. They weren't a strong team, like you said. They didn't have great forwards. But when you have an Eric Carlson back there, it change, it's like Connor McDavid. It changes the whole outlook of every single game. He can single-handedly win you games, and he makes everyone around him better. It's like when Gretzky was playing. It's like whoever you put on Gretzky's wing – the guy put up 100 points, regardless of who you put with him, because you knew you were going to get assists, you were going to get goals. This guy makes the game so easy to play. And when you're playing with Eric Carlson, I don't care if you were his D partner or the three forwards on the ice with him, you were going to get a point or you were going to get a great chance because he – it was so – I know I've told the story before, but it was clear as day. I had him lined up. Like, I took a huge run at him in Ottawa. I buried him behind his net, behind his net. He absorbed my hit. I went back. He, by the time he reached his blue line, he was already a half a zone ahead of me. By the time he reached the red line, I was already a zone behind him. By the time he reached my offensive zone, I was only at the red line probably. And he went in, scored. I was like, this guy is unbelievable. And that's just what he did. He, he absorbed hits. He waited for you to challenge him. And he just, he's gone. He was so incredibly dynamic and fast. So this is what the San Jose Sharks saw. They were in need Gosh, well, here's the question. Were they in need of another impact defenseman, Tim, when they, when they acquired him? What do, what do you think? They had oh, Burns. Yeah. They had Vlasic. They had Braun. They had a strong decor. What, why did they get him? Well, the answer is because he was available, right? So, like, you think about, like, it, maybe a smarter play in retrospect would have been go get, like, a, a middle of, like, a reliable defenseman that can maybe put up, you know, 25 30 40 points something like that but who's who's much cheaper contract who's making three or four million then you can have some money in cap space to go sign the forward that you so desperately needed but when a player like eric carlson comes on the market you kind of have to take a run at him and if, if you have the cap space if you have the the pieces to go and get him you got to do it especially given like everything you said he was changing the game he was unbelievable and and there's no way to see 
this coming that we've seen the last two years since he signed there. Yeah, so Eric Carlson, he he was entering the last year of his contract, and he made it known that he wanted to be gone. Ottawa was was a bad team at that point. They weren't competing. They knew he was going to walk, and so they started shopping him. And the Sharks gave up a lot, a lot to get this guy. They gave up their first-round draft pick, which in hindsight at that point, they didn't think it was going to be a high draft pick. Because if you get Eric Carlson, you have Brent Burns, you have all these high-end offensive talents, the, the Pavelskis, the Coutures, the Hurdles, the Marlows, the Thorntons, all these top-end guys, you don't think you're going to fail. You just t- took a run at the Western Conference Final the year before, losing out to the Vegas Golden Knights. Like, you were, you were ready to go. So you get Carlson, you're like, we're going to win the Stanley Cup. Like, we, we got the best defenseman on the planet. Here we go. He steps foot on the ice in San Jose, and he was a shell of his former self. Now, don't get me wrong. He still put up points. He had 45 points in 53 games. But when you get a guy who is leading the NHL in points as a defenseman every single year and almost leading the NHL in points in some seasons just flat out as a defenseman, your, expect, your expectations are high. Now, what do you think the main cause of this decline was, Tim? Honest, because he was still on his $6.5 million contract, so he hadn't signed a big deal yet. So it's not like he was ka-chinging, I'm out of here, like let's go to the beach and relax. Like He was still playing for that next contract, kind of. What, what, what went wrong? What happened with Eric Carlson? Well, he wouldn't be the first player to go and like underperform after signing like a huge contract, right? Um, or, or being in a new environment where he just doesn't click with his teammates, doesn't really click with their system. Like that's, those aren't like unique stories, right? I'd be, I remember one of the storylines that came when, when that trade happened is like, how are him and Burns going to work together? Because at the time, Burns was also putting up a point per game as a defenseman. There were two Norris caliber level guys just putting up points at will. How did how does the team build around two different players like that? Like, because Carlson, I think, and if you, to answer this question, why it didn't work out, Carlson liked and he had to be the guy. He had to be the guy. The offense was built around him. The defense was built around him. Like the, the ice time is logging like 25, 30 minutes a night. He was the guy. He needed to be the guy. When he's on a team where they have another one just like that, another guy, he doesn't know what to do. He he wasn't able to to really maybe buy into or click with that system, wasn't able to form chemistry with Burnsy or the other guys. And I think it probably messes with your head a little bit. It probably messes with how you approach the game, how you see yourself in the organization, maybe your confidence level. And I don't think that damage is done. I don't think it's ever, ever going to come back. Yeah, I don't know. Like, there, I think that plays a part in it. Um, because if he didn't like the way he was viewed by the organization, he wouldn't have signed that big deal. So I, I think it's a little more trickier than that where maybe in Ottawa, he just, he just knew he, he had carte blanche to do whatever he wanted. And in San Jose, maybe they had a little bit more accountability and that affected his game. He, he wanted to make a good first impression. He wasn't trying to be as offensive as he was in Ottawa. Uh, I don't know. There, there's a lot of kind of things you can look into this. Maybe he just wasn't, it wasn't a fit culture-wise and he just didn't jive with the room, but then why would he resign? For, you know, eight years, $92 million. There's a lot of unanswered questions. All right, everybody, listen up. Your company's salary cap is probably tighter than it's ever been, and you can't afford to miss on a new hire. Every person you add needs to fit just right, just like Tim does on the podcast. He fits perfect. That's where Indeed helps you hire great people faster. Indeed.com is the hiring site that helps you find quality candidates instantly with Indeed Instant Match. So you can do the part you really need faster. 
meeting and hiring great people. Unlike some hiring sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility, delivering a quality short list faster. Now, you want your quality short list fast? You need Indeed right now. Listen up. Our listeners get a free $75 credit to upgrade your post at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is Indeed's best offer anywhere. Get a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer is valid through March 31st. Terms and conditions apply. If you just put it down on paper, when you put these guys together, they should excel. Like you, you put Burns on one pairing, Carlson on the other pairing. How do you stop them? It seems like a no-brainer. You, you pair them up with a Mark Andrew Vlasic and a Justin Braun or a Brendan Dillon or another defensive defenseman, and you think you would have four top-flight defensemen who you can't handle. And it just never worked, and I don't understand why. I don't know if there was Eagles clashing, like you said, I just don't know because the thing that stands out for me was his goal total. Like he, he's always gotten assists. He's always been a good facilitator with the puck. He, he's a world-class passer. Like we, we've seen highlights of him throwing backhand sauce through the neutral zone. It just lands flat on somebody's tape. He has only scored six goals in San Jose. He's played over 110 games. So like that's John Scott, or excuse me, he's only scored nine goals and he's played 110 games. Like that's, that's my kind of stats. Like that's, that's terrible. And when you look back at his career, he he's averaged 20 goals a season, maybe 18 goals a season throughout his career. So what is going on? Is, is it the puck just not going in? Is he not getting those great opportunities that he used to get in Ottawa? I don't know. But if, if you're paying a guy $11.5 million and you look at his comparables year in and year out, Last year when he, he was there, he was 20th in scoring. The guys around him were Klingberg, Warinsky, and Ekholm. And if you add up all their salaries, it adds up to Carlson's. All three of them combined. And then last year, he, he's comparable with Tyson Berry, Shabbat from Ottawa, Ellis from Nashville, Petrie from Montreal. These aren't guys who are going to win the Norris. These aren't guys who you like build your franchise around. These are good, solid defensemen, yeah but they're not a guy who you pay $11.5 million for eight years. And you say, here's my team, you know, go get a Stanley cup for me. So I, it's very strange. I don't understand it. Maybe he did get a taste of that money and he's like, I'm, I'm, I don't have to try as hard. Maybe he just doesn't want to be on a winning team. He just likes to be in a no pressure situation. I don't know. It's him. I can't wrap my brain around it because from the outside looking in, I thought this was a slam dunk of a trade. And that's the thing that kind of eats at San Jose. Their first round pick was the third pick overall. Ottawa took that Stutzel kid who is supposed to be very, very good coming out of Germany. They're going to kind of ease him along, which is really smart. I think he'll go back to Germany, if not the AHL or juniors this year, just to kind of give him another year of development. And they, they got Chris Tierney. They got Dylan DeMello. They got another draft pick. Like they got a pretty good haul out of San Jose. So to see this signing go the way of the Dodo, it's, it's tough as a San Jose fan. I, I love the Sharks. I hope they do well. But they just continue to handcuff themselves to these long contracts that never work out for them. Name one contract on San Jose that's going to work out for them. The only one potentially is a Thomas Earl contract. I see that working out quite nicely for them. But every other one is like, man, that's going to age terribly. And you're seeing it right now. You're, you're seeing it with the Bernsey contract. You're seeing it with the Vlasic contract. They're just aging terrible. I don't know. Any other thoughts on this? Uh, I'm curious. I mean, you're close with a lot of those guys in that, in that dressing room. 
what do they think of him? Do you think there's any issues there? Well, you remember when we sat down at dinner. Like, it, it was clear to me that when we asked Vlasic what, what the issue was is Carlson, and he, just, he got really uncomfortable. He's like, you know what? It's just, uh, yeah, it's, yeah, you know, he, he, some guys don't listen. I think those were his, his exact words. Some guys don't listen, and it's just not a good situation. So we'll see. Maybe they've ironed that out, and they're, it doesn't seem like they have. They're not a good team. You know what else he said, too? We were like, what, what's Carlson like? And all he said was he talks a lot. Yeah. That was the only thing he said. Yeah. So that, that speaks volumes. You know, if, if you ever get asked who your star player, how, he, how he's like, usually it's like he's great. He's awesome. He's, he's such a leader, this and that. But if your top guy talks a lot, not a good, not a good thing, you know? <laughs> so I wish him all the best. I hope he turns his game around. But it doesn't sound like it's, it's going to happen. So this year, he hasn't really set the world on fire. He's played eight games. He's got three points. Uh, that ties him for 77th in the league with his teammate, Ferraro, who makes $925,000. So we will see how this ends up to him. They're tied to him for a long time, and no one is going to take his contract on, especially in the salary cap era where every penny counts. This is why the Sharks are going to be in a tough spot for a long, long time. I can't think of another team who is in as worse as worse of a position than the San Jose Sharks. Can you think of one? No. Anaheim, for as, maybe? For, for as no. long as they have these guys on contract. I mean, maybe, maybe Chicago. Maybe. But they don't have as many guys tied up. And Chicago's players are still producing. Dunks is still a good player. Kaner is still a pretty good player. Seabrook, he's on the injured reserve, so they can kind of get up from under that contract. But, man. San so, Jose. between between Carlson, Burns, and Vlasic – they have $27 million cap hit annually, annual cap hit combined. Uh, their shortest contract is Burns, which ends in 2025. And the, the ages of these guys are 30, 35, and 33. It's that crazy. is a disaster. That is it's, so it's bad. Not good. It's not a good look. It's not a good look for San Jose. I, and I know what Doug Wilson was thinking. He saw the window. They competed for the Stanley Cup a few years back. And he went for it. You know, I don't blame them. They've been trying to get the Stanley Cup in San Jose for two decades now. And they've had really, really good teams. And he saw it. And he's like, listen, we are so close. Let's add Eric Carlson. It'll push us over the top. It just didn't do it. It did, it did not work out. And then maybe he felt a little embarrassed that he, he, the trade didn't work. So Doug's like, I'm going to try to salvage this. He throws a boatload of money at him. Cost him Joe, Joe Pavelski. So, you know, what are you going to do? Pavelski's looking pretty good in Dallas right now. So I'm sure the Sharks would love to have him back and to rid themselves of Carlson because that will be one that will go down on the record books as probably one of the worst trades ever for a superstar player. We, t- we just talked about the Patrick Line trade for Pierre Le- Pierre-Marc Dubois, Luke Dubois. This one looks bad, 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 bad for San Jose because Carlson is just so incredibly bad. And, I, and don't get me wrong, like he still puts up 40, 50 points a year. But like I said, if you're being paid $11.5 million, I think the expectations – they go up a little bit more than just putting points on the board. Anyways, moving on. Speaking of gambles, we're talking about Doug Wilson making a run for the playoffs, trying to win that cup. This offseason, we had a gamble with a couple players, Anthony Duclair and a certain Mike Hoffman. I just wanted to look in to see how they're both doing. One of them's doing quite well. The other one, not so much. So Mike Hoffman was, I think, the 
was he the most eligible free agent as far as goal scorer guy you want on your team? He's going to put up 30 goals. He, he's a winger, which makes him super valuable. I, I can't think of another guy in free agency who people were more attractive on paper was more attractive. They had the defenseman. There was Peter Angelo. There was Krug. There was guys available on the D decor, but up front was, was he the highest rated free agent, Tim? As far as I remember. Yeah. So he's played seven games this year. He's gotten three points. One goal, two assists. It's not looking good for Mike Hoffman. What, what's going on? What's the issue, Tim? Why is he not producing? Do you think the mental just anguish of this summer is getting to him? Or is he just, you know, maybe he's just not that good of a player. And all the GMs were pegged. They pegged him right. He played on a soft team in Florida. He put up some points. He played on a soft team in Ottawa. He put up some points. Now he's playing on a good team. And maybe he's got a little bit more competition around him. And these players who are on his team are getting the ice time they deserve and Maybe Hoffman wasn't as good as we all thought he was. I don't know. What, what do you think is going on with Mike Hoffman? I don't know. It's got to be a chemistry thing, I would think. And maybe he's just not clicking with his line mates. I don't, I don't know offhand, like, where, where is he slotting in on that lineup? Is he playing top line minutes? Is he getting power play time? I'm not sure. Uh, but there's a reason that no one signed him for so long, right? And now maybe you're kind of seeing it. Maybe some of these GMs knew something that others didn't. And, I mean, he's signed a relatively team-friendly deal on a one-year contract. So that's the other thing, too. You've got to consider, like, he's, he's, he's earning his next contract right now. He's playing for, for, for big money, and he is not looking good. And it is not looking like he's going to make a ton this offseason if this trend continues. Yeah, you know, it's one of those things. It was a tough year for GMs. It was a tough year for playoffs. I don't – or, excuse me, for players. I don't think anybody expected long-term deals, but he, he was hoping to cash in. It's not working out. And he's going to sign another one-year deal after this because no GM is going to give him a long-term extension. So, I don't know. Not looking good for Mike Hoffman. Anthony Duclair, on the other hand, he's formed a pretty good first line in Florida. He's playing well, surprisingly. I, I didn't think he was going to have the same type of season as he had in Ottawa last year, but he's, he's playing okay. Dukes has surprised us. Surprising us. Anyways, what else are we going to talk about, Tim? Well, you a couple more topics. Yeah, you mentioned Lina. He's skating tonight for the first time for Columbus. Uh, he'll, he'll be on that top line with uh, Cam Atkinson. I got this new, new – I think he's a rookie, this kid down the center. Uh, so that'll be interesting to see what he does. He only played one game this season for Winnipeg um, before he got hurt and then obviously traded and he had to set out some time. But in that one game, he had two goals and an assist. So he came out flying. It'll be interesting to see what he where he fits under Torts' system and how he performs. But that'll be one of the more fun storylines to watch over the next couple of days. Yeah, I think he'll – Early on, he'll do well. He'll want to make a good first impression. That's the thing. When you get traded, your first week, you want, you want to prove everybody right who got you, and you want to prove everybody wrong who traded you. And you're going all out in the practice. You're going all out in the game. So he'll play well. But then once that kind of initial energy boost goes and he starts getting comfortable and playing his type of game, that's when you'll see the relationship between him and Tortorella really come to light because – at first, he's going to want to get in the lane. He's going to you know, want to impress his coach. He's going to want to finish those checks and back check and do whatever he can to impress Torts. And those are not his normal tendencies. When the season starts to progress and he's been in Columbus for 10, 15, 20 games, that's when his normal tendencies will come out. That's when you're going to see him kind of maybe lagging on a back check, maybe getting out of a lane, maybe not hustling back to the bench. Just little things that Tortorella really, really, really loves to see out of his players. And that's when you'll see the real relationship kind of develop between those two. So it'll be interesting. I expect him to play well. He's a good hockey player. He's a darn good hockey player. He'll put the puck in the net. I predict he scores tonight. Like that's, this is what he does. He scores goals. He puts the puck 
in the back of the net. So it'll be exciting. I'll be watching tonight. I'm excited. It, it's too bad Dubois can't suit up for our Winnipeg just yet. The stinking COVID rules are way, way, way more strict in Canada. So he'll he'll get his chance in another week. But I don't know. I'll be watching tonight when he uh, line A suits up for Columbus. Yeah, I got him in fantasy and in the, in the drop in the gloves league. So I'm excited to activate him in my lineup as well. A uh, couple more quick hits. Nathan McKinnon got hurt last night, so he's out week to week with a lower body injury. Hopefully he doesn't end up missing too much time. Um, it's not good when, you know, one of the league superstars is, is not playing. So hopefully uh, we had a speedy recovery from him. Another one, we spent a lot of time last week or the other episode talking about Tony D'Angelo. We broke down that whole story. Still developing. He cleared waivers. No one got him. They're shopping him now because the, the GM said in a statement yesterday in a presser that he has played his last game as a New York Ranger. So he has no chance of going back. Um, it'll be interesting to see if anyone wants to take him and, and will they get any slack or uh, criticism if they go and sign for or trade for D'Angelo? Like, are they going to get some negative pushback from the news outlets and stuff that bring that kid into your city? What do you think? Well, I, I think there's going to, I think we need to wait and see what happens as far as what comes from his interactions with the players on his team. Did he, did he hurl racial remarks at that defenseman on his team, was there any sort of that, you know, stuff going on? If there was, then no one's going to touch him. He should be suspended, banned, never to play a game again. But if if all that's unfounded and just rumors and this and that, then someone will take a chance on him. You know, when you have a talent like that, he's 25 years old. He's he's a good little defenseman. Someone will take a chance, and they 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 think they'll be able to control him. So the Rangers did it. You know, they they knew his history coming out of college. Excuse me, coming out of juniors, coming out of Arizona. So. You know, they did another another GM will try it. And a team's going to need a defenseman. A team's going to need someone to step in and, you know, eat up some minutes and hopefully make plays. I, I could name off four or five teams who could use some defenseman help right now. So it'll be interesting. I would – I don't know what they'll get from them, the New York Rangers. If, if they put them on waivers and no one picked them up, someone's going to approach the Rangers with the trade and they're going to make the Rangers eat some of that salary cap. They're going to really – I don't know. Like, what do you trade for Tony Delangelo? Like, no one wanted him on waivers. Are you going to give him a fifth, sixth rounder, and then hopefully the Rangers pick up half his contract? Is that – like, the Rangers, I don't see them doing that deal. Like, they didn't even send him to their AHL team. They just sent him home. Yeah. So, who knows? It's it's a really terrible situation. Hopefully they can get it figured out quick. But I, I would do some due diligence if I was a GM. I'd be like, what are your issues? What did you say? Like, where's your heart when it comes to all this stuff? And be very careful before you trade for this kid because the red flags are there. They were there in juniors. They were there in the NHL. He's abused officials throughout his career. He's obviously has issues with certain type of people, and I wouldn't touch him. The optics are there. It's just a bad look for your franchise. But who knows? Talent usually wins over any kind of morals or ethics. That, that, that's a sad state of everything. So we'll see. Keep your eye, for, eye on that situation. Yeah, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out. But I, 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 I think that's what they offer. Like you just send them lowball them, get them out of New York, and then we'll see if he uh, ends up coming back and plays anywhere. The last thing I want to touch on is the Bruins. Um, they're six one and two right now, and they're third place in their division. But they played one fewer games; they're only one point back. So if they win their next game, 
uh, you know, they could be atop that division. So they started off one, one, and one. And we kind of had an episode two weeks ago saying they need to string a bunch of wins together in a row or they're going to be screwed, and especially without Pasta being there. Pasta returned last night, scored a couple of goals in a big comeback win against Washington. So I guess, are you surprised by this start? Everyone kind of put them down to start the season and, and even in the offseason, losing Chara, losing Krug. You had this, all these question marks about Rask. And now they're, they're just cruising. Does that surprise you? Yeah, th- this is probably the biggest eye-opener so far to this state in the season because, like you said, everybody was just bagging on the Bruins, myself included. Because what, what did they do this offseason? Honestly, they didn't do anything. You know who looks good, though? Craig Smith. He, he is a baller. He's a baller. He's doing really well. Why do you call him a baller when it's hockey? Anyways, yeah, they, they didn't make many moves. They let their top free agent walk. They let the heart of their team walk. They didn't sign really any great wingers to play on their team to help out Marshawn and Bergeron and Krejci. They just pretty much ran it back. They put in some young defensemen, and boy, oh, boy, they look pretty good. Rask looks really sharp. The forwards, Bergeron, looks like he's 10 years younger than he actually is. They look really, really good, especially in that division, which it's there's no easy game in that division. Like, you look up and down that division, every city you go into, you're going to have a, you're gonna have a tough game. There's no gimmies like there are in the other divisions. There's no like Detroit's or Ottawa's or Chicago's or San Jose's. Like every division, there's usually two, there's two teams that are just like, okay, we're going to get some points when we go into this city. So it's exciting. You know, they will regress. They will come down to earth. They will, you know, have a couple hiccups in the season. But gosh, the Bruins are always competitive. They always seem to find a way. And who's the coach there right now? Bruce Cassidy. He has to be in in the competition for coach of the year. Like he's done a remarkable job. I'm very, I'm very impressed. Very, very impressed. Not so much impressed with the New York Islanders. Trotsky's not doing so well this year, but the, the Bruins are, yeah, it's, it's good for hockey when the Bruins are good. As much as I pain, it pains me to say it. It's good for, it's good for hockey. The Bruins are a big market team. Everybody loves to hate the Bruins, the big bad Bruins. So good for them. Six, one and two. If, If they can sneak into the playoffs, imagine the Stanley cup finals, Boston and Toronto. That would be unbelievable. It would be absolutely oh, unbelievable. If, if the Bruins continue to keep playing like they are, it's, it's completely possible. They, I, I could see them in the Final Four. That would be unbelievable. It would be unbelievable to have Joe Thornton and the Toronto Maple Leafs walking into Boston. It would be so, so cool. I know. I would love it. And then Patrick uh, Marley gets traded to Boston. I just wish be, Chara was there for that, though. No, screw Chara. Like, he, he – whatever. Move on, Tim. Tim. Move on. You guys are going to get Delangelo. It'll be fine. <laughs> totally fine. But anyways, very good. Good start. I don't know. We'll see if they can keep it up. That division, that's, that's the murderer's row of divisions. All it takes is a bad week, and they're back to being 500. You know? So we'll see if they can keep it up. I think they will. They have a good veteran team. But, again, if COVID hits them, what are you going to do? They're going to have to sit some guys for a couple weeks, and then it's just back to square run. Anything else, Tim? No, just prepping for our, our conversation with Demers tomorrow night. Yeah, that'll be fun. He's got. He said he has practice, and he'll give us a call, and we'll we'll chew it up. Well, you were mentioning. I don't even know who his wife is. You mentioned it before we came on the air. She's like a superstar. Well, I don't know about that, but she's an actress, and she's mostly known for on Broadway. But her, she just she's been on Law and Order. She's been on a couple of shows here and there, and she just landed like the lead role. In a new show that's coming out on Netflix, it's called The Crew, and I think the the uh, the main guy there is Kevin James, people know from different movies and uh, King of the King of Queens and all that. So 
She's like, I watched the trailer. The trailer's already out there. So it'll be interesting to talk to him about that and kind of how he met her and maybe the what the show's going to be about and all that. So it'll be a good conversation. He's, he's bounced around a bit. So I got some good questions for him. Yeah, you do. You're the man, Tim. All right, everybody. Well, stay tuned for that. That'll be a nice little interview. Thank you for the support. We appreciate it. And we will talk to you guys on Friday. Cheers, everybody. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening. Make sure you're following the show on Twitter at dropping underscore gloves for episode highlights, behind-the-scenes content, sneak peeks, and giveaways. Check out johnscottallstar.com slash shop for merchandise including T-shirts, hats, hoodies, and so much more. And please, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It's so important to helping us grow so we can keep delivering the hockey content and interviews with the players you love. Thanks, and see you next time.